The moment you become a Christian, you have a target on you. In fact, if you are a leader or a pastor that's watching or present today, the target becomes even bigger. Why? Because the Bible reminds us that if you, it uses this Old Testament word, smite the shepherd or strike the shepherd, sheep scatter. The enemy knows that there will be more casualties in the church if he can bring down a leader, if he can bring down a pastor. I know that. I believe that God, I believe that, 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 that God really reminded me of something even this week that I believe that hell begins to fight harder against leaders and pastors. I believe it is so strongly. I realized that when we first started our church in Detroit, this is going to sound, it's going to sound a little um, exaggerated, but I truly believe this, and I'll explain to you why in a second. I believe that I was on a hit list to get killed, and I'll tell you why. I know there was two to three distinct moments where my life was in danger that, and, and let me tell you the first time where I realized it. Two ladies, when we were taking this pornographic theater and turning it into a church in, in, in Detroit, two ladies came to our Detroit church while we were renovating the Triple X theater and from a local Christian book, bookstore and brought a homeless man to us that they led to the Lord. And they said, we don't know what to do with him. Can we just leave him with you? And for some reason, I, I, I said, not only absolutely, but for some reason, I said, yes, and I'll bring him home with me, and he can live with me. Okay, we already know we have problems. I brought him into my apartment in Detroit, and I remember vividly, he was with me for three days, and I remember vividly, it was a Saturday morning. We got him a part-time job, and I remember on a Saturday morning, on a fifth-floor apartment in Detroit, I knew the voice of God, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, get him out. He's trying to kill you. And I, and I, and I, at that moment, I called, we didn't have cell phones at the time, so I called the, the place that he had a job, and I said, hey, meet me at the church, and we met at this church, and when he got back from his job and met me at the church, and I told him, I said, God spoke to me. I don't know why but I'm going to have to ask you to leave. I didn't say anything about killing me. And all of a sudden, church, I'm telling you, I saw it. I heard it. A voice came out of this man and said, we have been sent here to kill you. At that moment, I knew it was a spiritual warfare. I knew that something. And I watched these voices of hell and I heard it. I knew it was real. And all of a sudden, I watched the strength come on him, that he went into our parking lot and picked up these parking blocks that was, that was coming at me at him. And it was the first time as a young pastor, I knew, I, I, I've never experienced it, but I felt the presence and the power that there is, not just singing about it, that there is power in the name of Jesus. And I watched it. I, watched, I, I heard hell with my ears. And then I watched the man pick up parking blocks coming at me. And I remember saying to him three times, put that down in Jesus' name. And I watched the man put it down and have to listen to the name of Jesus. And at that moment, I knew God had me in the right place. But I also knew that there were forces that were going to try to begin to come and take me out. Martin Luther, the, the, the reformer, said, said it like this. He says, where God builds a church, Satan builds a chapel. That I'm just telling you, folks, we have a church on 51st and Broadway, but the enemy has a chapel over here too. 
And we have to understand that whenever God is going to raise up a witness, the enemy is going to do whatever he can to come against it. And David in the Psalms describes spiritual warfare vividly. I want you to notice the contrast. He's going to start by being in the presence of God and then show what it's like to be surrounded by danger. Listen to these words in Psalm 91. He says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, hallelujah, will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Don't, I, I just love that word Almighty. It doesn't say some mighty. It doesn't say a lot mighty. It says Almighty. I will say to the Lord, you are my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. But you can't say those words. We grew up singing that song um, from Psalm 91, 1 and 2. But you can't say those words without getting over to verse 3. And this is what it says. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He'll cover you with his pinions and under his wings that you may seek his refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. You will not be afraid, thank God, of the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day, of the pestilence that stalks in darkness or the destruction that lays waste at noon and the thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. Listen to this. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Why? Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the most high, your dwelling place, and no evil will before you. No, any plague will come near your tent. Hallelujah. For he will give Glory to God. His angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They'll bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot even against the stone. Hallelujah. There was a man in the Bible that lived out Psalms 91, this description of spiritual warfare, that he was in the presence of God, verses 1 and 2 but surrounded and wanted by men, surrounded by evil and wanted by evil men. And all he did was say what God wanted him to say. All he did was just speak what God asked him to speak. And all hell broke loose and became one of the, really the most wanted man on the planet. Elijah was a Psalm 91 man. Elijah was one step ahead of the enemy because Elijah was an obedient man. He was one step ahead because of obedience. His story is a Psalm 91 story and a spiritual warfare story. And what his story teaches us that I have been really seeing what God has been speaking to my own heart. And I've watched this because what I see from this man is really a lesson on staying one step ahead of the enemy. See, the worst of times will always call for the best of men. The worst of times will call for the best of men. And the worst of times in Elijah's times was Ahab and Jezebel were in leadership. They were running the country. Listen to 1 Kings 16. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel and Samaria. 22 years. Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than anyone before him. Look at this. It came about as though it became a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, 
that he married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went to serve Baal and worship him. He even erected an altar in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. Ahab also made the Asherah. Thus Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel than all of the other kings who were before him. And then just before it gives you this synopsis of the evil of this man, it throws in almost a provoking of God's word, a provoking, because it goes all the way back to a chapter in Joshua that talks about the conquering of Jericho, when the walls came down in Jericho. And God said something that day. He says, anyone who tries to build these walls will be cursed. And it was as if this man, Ahab, said, almost provoked the promise of God, saying, watch me do this regardless of what God said. Listen to these words at the end of his description. It says this. It says, and in his days, this is verse 34, he says, Hiel the Bethelite built Jericho. He laid its foundations with the loss of Abiram, his firstborn, and set up the gates with the loss of his youngest son, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun, that these people in the regime of Ahab were even putting God's word to the test and simply said, watch us go ahead and try to build Jericho, regardless of what even God said. That's why you have to understand that the best of men for the, this wicked time was going to be Elijah. God was going to raise up this man. And when you read 1 Kings 17, right after it talks about the building, the, the, the attempt to rebuild Jericho, when you read 1 Kings 17, this man Elijah, this prophet Elijah, this Psalm 91 Elijah shows up. There's no introduction. We have no warning. We have no explanation. In fact, the first information we get about Elijah is he spends time on heaven and he spends time on earth. He stands in the presence of God and then he begins to speak on earth. He is, he is a man of two realms. He's a man of two worlds. He's a Psalm 91 man. He understands verses 1 and 2, what it is to dwell in the presence of God. But he also understands what it is to have the arrows flying by day. And this is a man that can stand in the presence of God and then stand against the evils of his, of his times. And folks, if there's ever a time that we need, not just Christians, we need preachers to be able to do that today. We need preachers who can stand in heaven so they can stand in earth, because they can begin to preach. Listen to what it says in 1 Kings 17, 1. Right after we get this description of, of Ahab, we get now the best of men. After the worst of men, we get the best of men. Listen to these words. It says, now Elijah the Tishbite, who is of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord the God of Israel lives. Here it comes. Here's, here's the man that spends time with God. Before whom I stand, then he speaks. Surely there is neither going to be dew nor rain for these years except by my word. Think about that. This man, the best of men that God raises up, is about to stand against the worst of men. And folks, let me just say this. I have this sense that Ahab and Elijah represent a battle that is coming and is already here. The word of God versus the authorities of a nation. Look at this. This man stands up and speaks to the highest, the highest voice of the land and says, listen, no matter who you are, the word of God is greater than anything you could decree or you can put on the law books. And without any fear, he stands up and says, here's what's going to happen. And let me just say this, because that first King 17 is really a prophetic picture of a future fight. It's a prophetic picture that if you speak the word of God, 
it will be attacked. It will be challenged. And here's what I want to tell you about the last days. One, Satan will unleash the worst. Look at 2 Timothy 3.1. Realize this, Paul says, in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers. They'll become disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable. Listen to this. Malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Can, and here is the hope, Times Square Church. Those that are watching around the world, keep this in mind. As Satan unleashes his worst in these last days, God will unleash his best. Let me just tell you this. Listen to this. Because as it says in 2 Timothy 3, 3 1 through 5, that all this whole group of people that will come in the last days, listen to what God counteracts with. And it shall be, he prophesies, in the last days, God says, I'll pour forth my spirit on all mankind. He says, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And my bond servants on men and women, I will in those days pour forth my spirit and they shall prophesy. Hallelujah. That as Satan unleashes his worst, God goes, I'll counteract that and I'll unleash my best. Satan unleashes Ahab and Jezebel and God goes, watch what I'll do. I'll unleash Elijah that will speak my word unashamed, unafraid, and regardless of the consequence, he will speak God's word today. We need churches. We need preachers. We need Christians that will stand in heaven so they can stand on earth. A.W. Tozer said it best. He says, to be right with God often means you're in trouble with men. Elijah prophesied a drought and Ahab organized the hit squad. Just prophesied. Just said it. If it's not true, then what are you worried about? But what do you, because, because here's what happened. Let, let me explain it like this. There's something in the heart of men that when something like this is spoken, they know it to be true. David Wilkerson, the founder of Times Square Church, wrote a book in 1974. My dad told me about what happened. It was called The Vision. It was a prophecy of what was coming to this country. My dad said when Brother Dave Wilkerson released this book, he said God showed him. I, without going through, it, it, is, it is amazing to see what God showed him and what came out of this. One of the things that he prophesied in 1974, he said, your homes, your television sets are going to become porn palaces. He said, I saw it in the spirit that there'll come a little black box on top of your TV set and you will get the filth from hell that will be able to be pumped in. Before that, you had to drive at 20 miles outside of a city to go to some pornographic place. And David Wilkerson prophesied in 1974, he says, your homes are going to turn into porn palaces. My dad told me when that book came out, he said, churches started to cancel David Wilkerson from him speaking. Because when you speak what God says, you are part of now a cancel culture that will literally go, we don't want to hear that. We don't want that. Literally, this is exactly what happened. 
They didn't want to hear the truth in first. See, Elijah is not a threat until, what he, until he says what God wants him to say. And the church, I'm telling you, is not a threat until the church speaks God's word. I, I, want, you to be, I want to be very clear with that. The church is no threat as long as we speak just whatever you want to hear. The church becomes a threat when you start speaking truth. That's, that's when it all of a sudden, that's when you begin to get on a radar. That's when all of a sudden the, 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 the battle starts coming. And see, Ahab was on a mission to find Elijah and kill him, holding him responsible for the drought. It's amazing. Ahab bears no responsibility for the sinful life, for his sinful life, for what's coming on the nation. It's, the, it's Elijah that's the problem. Not me. Not me that I brought in all these idols. Not me that I've made sin trivial. It's the prophet's fault. See, the ungodly blame the godly for what's wrong. And in that palace, God has a believer in Ahab's palace that was hiding prophets and feeding them. His name was Obadiah. And Obadiah was searching for water during this three-year drought, he runs into, just happens to run into, Elijah. The man, because he's not part of being hid by Obadiah, and there's a reason for this. Listen to what happens in this interaction. This is what I want to build from today. He meet, they meet each other, and the Bible says in verse 10 of the next chapter, as surely as, this is Obadiah speaking to Elijah, as surely as the Lord God lives, there's, a, there's not a nation or a kingdom where my master Ahab has not sent somebody to look for you. He said, you are the most wanted man on the planet. He says, and whenever a nation or kingdom claimed you were not there, he made them swear that they could not find you. He said, my master is on a mission to find you. And for some reason, we have the, we have the most powerful nation and army in the land, and we can't seem to find one guy. We can't find Elijah. Think about this. Evil couldn't find, murder couldn't find this godly man. And I'm going to tell you why. And I want to be real clear today. An obedient man is a protected man. An obedient man, an obedient woman is a protected woman. All Elijah did was listen to God's voice and go where God told him to go. And when he listened, he was always one step ahead of Ahab. He was one step ahead of the hit squad. All he did was listen to God. Listen, after, Eli after Ahab is hunting him, listen to the next verse after he speaks what God wants him to speak. This is verse 2 of 1 Kings 17. The word of the Lord came to him saying, just go away from here, turn eastward, go by the brook of Cherith, which is east of Jordan, and you will drink of this brook that I've commanded the ravens to provide for you. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and lived by the brook, which is east of Jordan. Obedience to this simple command means that Elijah was one step ahead of, the, of, of, this, of this hit that was put out on him. That's what we have to remember about obedience and disobedience. Someone that has blessed our ministry in Detroit, her name was Joy Dawson from, from Youth with a Mission. She said this, she said, disobeying him, God, is the same as telling him to hold back all of your blessings that come with obedience. 
And when we say, God, I'm going to be disobedient, we're saying, hold back the blessing, but bring the consequences that come with disobedience. She said, that's not only stupidity, it's insanity. Think of it just for a moment. I've learned, and this is what I want to just walk you through today. I've learned two things about obeying God, two things. And I want to show it to you in Elijah, because with the world that we live in today, we need obedient women, obedient men. And it's simply this. I've learned the simplicity and the scope. Let me put it like this. I want to just talk to you about the simplicity of obedience and the scope of obedience. What's the simplicity? Here it is. Just do the next thing God wants you to do. It's that simple. It happened. I've flown millions of miles um, that God has just allowed us just to, in, in ministry and I'll never forget, it's only happened once, and I believe, I believe it was the Lord. I don't even know why. But God said to me as I was driving to the airport, it only happened once. God spoke to me. It was clear. He said, don't get on that plane and go. Don't get on that plane. I was supposed to speak, and I was supposed to do, do this thing at a Midwest Bible school seminary. And God, I remember pulling over, pulling into a church parking lot, and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, do not get on that plane. Folks, I don't know what it was. I don't know why I called the proper people and I just said, I don't know what this is. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. I'm not supposed to come and I'm canceling the flight. We'll take all the expenses, whatever, whatever that means. Now, folks, the first thing that came to my mind was just simply this. That was it the plane going to go down? Was the plane going to crash or that? Folks, I, no, and no, it didn't. But here's what's crazy. I don't know what was waiting there. I don't know what was that. All I felt God say was, can you be obedient without any explanation? Can you be obedient without knowing why I'm asking you to do this? See, the test of our love for Jesus is our obedience to him. Now, folks, but let me tell you this. But the greatest test of our love for Jesus is obedience without needing an explanation. That's, that's when you know, God, I don't need you to explain. Just tell me. I obey because I love you. Ahab was so bent on finding this newly introduced prophet that he would go to every kingdom and nation to find him. But here's what's interesting. While Ahab is hunting Elijah down without Elijah knowing it, here's what's great. Folks, listen to me. Get, get this quickly. Elijah is not listening to the rumors He's not checking social media. He's not looking at the comments on YouTube. He's not tracking who unfriended him, who blocked him, or who ghosted him. He is listening to Jesus. Folks, I am telling you, people who are not led by God are led by everything else. Who cares what they post on the comments? Who cares what they say? If we're led by God, I want you to understand this. We love people. We love people from around the world. We want you to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're getting ready to launch something in Spanish, in Central and South America, something in India. We're doing all that. But let me just tell you something. We're not led by comments. We're not led by anybody trolling or anyone who's blocking us. We want to be led by the Holy Spirit and what God is telling us. People not led by God are led by everything else. God tells Elijah, go to a brook named Cherith, 45 miles away. After that, 
You're going to go 85 miles to a widow's house in Zarephath. It's going to be 130 miles of inconvenience, but yet it, you're going to be obedient. Because even though you're inconvenienced, you will be protected by being obedient to me. Sometimes obedience is inconvenient, but it's right because he is our God. He didn't realize that his obedience was his protection. That every time he went to a brook or to a widow's home, Elijah was distancing himself from Ahab's spies and his hitmen. Elijah was literally just doing the last thing God spoke to him. Go to a brook in Jordan. Gone. Go. I'll go. 45 miles. Now I need you to walk 85 miles. And I need you to go to Zarephath. 135 miles. And all he thought was, let me just do what God's asked me to do. With no idea that he's distancing himself. An obedient man is a protected man. Do you know? Here it comes. This is, this is not a trick question. Do you know what they call the space between when God speaks to you? Here it comes. Look at, that. Look at the question. Do you know what they call the space when God speaks to you and when you do it? Ready for this? It's not hard. Here it comes. Disobedience. That's what it's called. When God speaks and when you do it, the time that it takes, and I don't want to be in, that's why the great Christian martyr in World War II, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, said this. He says, one act of obedience is better than listening to a hundred sermons. You can sit here and take all the notes that you want, but if you're not listening to God, I'm telling you folks, you can have a full-up phone of sermon notes. You've got to listen to God. And what God is saying, it's that simple. Do the next thing he's asked you. Go to a brook in Jordan, I'm there. Go to a widow's house in Zarephath, I'm there. I was recently reading the story of a license, a brand new licensed pilot that was flying his private plane on a cloudy day. But because he was brand new, he was inexperienced in landing with just instruments. He couldn't see, but he was told to land with just the instruments. And the control tower that he was landing, the, the airport that he was landing at, the control tower heard the, the angst and heard the, 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 the fright inside of this brand new pilot. And when the control tower was to bring him in, he began to panic. And then this stern voice came over the radio on that plane and said, you obey the instructions and we'll take care of the obstructions. You may not see what's ahead. Just listen to what we say. We'll take care of everything that's going to be in your way. See, when God told me not to get on that Delta flight 132, God was saying, I need you to fly by the instructions. That's the control tower. I didn't know what the obstructions were going to be in that city. See, that was Elijah. God was saying, just obey the, obey the instructions and let me take care of the obstructions that were coming your way. He had no idea it was going to be a hit team. He had no idea that they were hunting him down to kill him. See, when you just obey the instructions, you just do the next thing that God has asked you to do. And sometimes you have to fly by just what God is speaking to you and not by what everybody else is trying to tell you. Just listen to what God said. Just do the next thing he's asked you. Here's an, here, it, it could be as simple as this. We start this Thursday, what we call our next steps. And it's really, it gets you involved in the church. It, it, it begins to bring friends and relationships, but it tells you what your next steps, whether you've been born again for one week or been born again for 10 years, just sign up for this Thursday. It could be as simple as just texting next 
to 51,000. And for some of you that are sitting here, it's that simple. Just going, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to not just sit here, but I'm supposed to begin to, to be part and to serve here. Folks, in fact, let me just say it's this. This is what I want. I, I think the Bible clearly can give it to us. I think there are two important challenges for flying by instructions that literally, as you obey, God takes care of the enemy. As you simply just take the next step, God says, I'll take care of the, the enemy. And these are two challenges that we've seen. Cindy and I have seen God step in. Just simply the simplicity of obedience. Can I just tell you? where I, I know God, God has done this for us. The first one is tithing. I'm just telling you. You can, you can be visiting with us today or visiting online going, here it comes. It's going to be a money thing. I knew it was coming. I knew they were going to ask for our money. Listen, I'm, I'm just telling you this. We have watched when we have done what God has asked us to do, how God has taken care of us. You ready for this? I believe this. When you give what belongs to God, God takes care of the enemy. How, how, remember, some of you are going like, I don't know if I believe that. Okay, let me just say, I don't care about You can put all the comments you want. I'm just telling you right now. Put all the comments you want in there. We're not reading them. We're going to do what God has asked us to do. So what does God ask? Okay, here's our comment. You ready for this? Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into my storehouse. So there may be food in my house. And then God says this, test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out. Okay, hold, get ready now. Some of you going like money, money, let's go. Hold on. You ready? If you do this, here it comes, then I'll rebuke the devourer for you. He says, so we'll not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor your vine cast, will cast grapes, says the Lord of hosts. God says this, you take care of me, watch me take care of the enemy for you. One simple obedience, I'll take care of a devourer. Even in the midst of an, a recession, inflation, God goes, watch what I can do. There's a drought, yes, three years, but there's a brook in Jordan that's giving forth water. You do what I ask you to do, I'll take care of everything you need in your life. That's what God says. Not your comment, it's what God says. There comes a time that you got to go, God, in order for me to stand, I've got to stand on your words. Here's another one. Ready for this? Some of you going like, I can't even get by the first one. I believe forgiveness, getting things right with people, making things right with people puts you out of reach of the, you don't know what they've done. You don't know what one simple act of forgiveness can do. What do you mean, Pastor Tim? Here it comes. Be angry and do not sin and do not let the, the sun go down on your anger. Why? Because if you do, you will give the devil an opportunity. He says, but when you exercise forgiveness, he says, you shut that door. You distance yourself from the enemy. Each night you close, listen to me, each night you close your eyes with an unresolved issue towards someone, you open up the door for the enemy to come right in. And sometimes you have to just fly by the instructions and let God remove the obstructions. That's the simplicity of it. Just do the next thing. Just do the next thing that God's asked you to do. Number two, and let me close with this. This is a long closing, so don't get happy. It's the scope of obedience. When you simply obey God, you will be in the exact place 
God wants you to be. Listen. Jordan and Zarephath were not on Elijah's radar. They were not places he was intending to go after the courts of being in the courts of the palace. He had no idea that Zarephath and Jordan would become safe houses for him. A brook and a widow would be used by God to keep him a step ahead of Ahab. He didn't know he was just being obedient. He didn't understand the scope of obedience. See, while he was learning God's provision at a brook, he was also experiencing God's protection. His obedience was keeping him a step ahead of the enemy is what was happening. See, here's what's amazing. Get this down. Elijah did not run from Ahab. He was walking in the will of God. That's what he was doing. He wasn't looking to see what his opponents were saying. He didn't look to see what the enemy was doing and then counteract that. He just said, God, tell me what to do and I'll do that. Let me do. See, there are people that want to fight every devil and every demon and forget that, folks, I'm just telling you this. Obeying God is just fighting the enemy. Obedience is a weapon for fighting the enemy. That's what happens. See, that's why it says in James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Submitting to God allows you to resist anything that the enemy throws at you. See, when the children of Israel left Egypt, they hit a dead end. The Red Sea was in front of them. The Egyptian army was behind them. They were surrounded. Think about this. They're surrounded by an ocean and an enemy army. And how did the children of Israel begin to fight this? Here's what's amazing. Listen to what God said. God didn't sit there. Well, let me just read it to you. Exodus 14. The Lord said, I'll fight for you while you keep silent. He said, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel, here it comes, to go forward. Church, just listen to this for a moment. He says this, God fights when you just go forward, when you just walk forward. God didn't say turn around and fight Egyptians, but go forward in my will. Go forward to the place that I'm telling you to go to. See, when you walk in the spirit, you outdistance the enemy. They couldn't fight Egyptians and you couldn't open up a Red Sea and you're telling me to go forward. God goes, if you go forward, I will take care of Egyptians and I will get you to where you need to be. That's what he's asking. What all he was telling him was this. I just need you to be obedient to me. That's what was amazing. This is what's critical. Moses heard God speak, go forward. Elijah heard God speak, go to Jordan and to Zarephath. And folks, can I just tell you today, you have to hear what God is speaking to you. You have to hear the voice of God. And here, as we close today, how can I hear the voice of God? It's probably the most important thing I can tell you today. How can you hear the voice of God? I'm going to give it to you. Four quick things. Get ready to write these down. Here they come. Number one, God sounds just like his word. You cannot hear God unless you read the Bible. God sounds like this. He doesn't sound, he doesn't sound religious. He doesn't sound like a denomination. He doesn't sound like Times Square. He sounds like his word. When you read the word, you will become familiar with his voice. Number two, prayer positions me to hear. When you don't spend time with God, let me tell you something, then it's a monologue and not a dialogue. You've got to learn to stop and let God speak. You've got to stop. When you don't pray, 
It's, it's you, you cut off God even saying something to you. Number three, don't forget the sin muddies the water. David said this. He said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. When I'm living and unconfessing, when I'm trying to live a Christian life and move forward and there's sin inside of me, I'm sabotaging hearing his voice. And finally, obedience makes God's voice clearer and clearer. God will always speak to the obedient. If you go to Jordan and a brook, God goes, then I'll give you Zarephath. And I'll tell you the next place to go, the next place to go, the next place to go. Some of us have become so confused because you haven't even just done the first thing he's told you to do. You're wanting to know all, everything else. What do you want me to do? God says, just do the first thing I've asked you to do. Just the first thing. I heard someone say it like this. Jot this down. The voice you believe will determine the future you experience. The voice you believe will determine the future you experience. Peter Marshall is not a name that's known today, but it should be known. He was from Scotland and became the United States Senate chaplain back in the 50s and the 60s. And God used him on chap on, 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 in D.C. on Capitol Hill to preach the gospel to senators and congressmen from all over America. God used Peter Marshall. And I was reading about his story. Peter was trying, Peter was running from God, trying to avoid ministry and trying to go into the Navy. And so everything he did was a dead end, dead end, dead end, because he wasn't listening to that voice that just said, just, just do the next thing, the next thing. And he wasn't doing that. He was walking in the opposite direction. Peter said he was taking his test to go into the Navy and failed the entry test and was walking away from God and his calling. And listen to this. After his test, he was taking a shortcut home. And he wrote this through a desolate area he was cutting through some woods. He said there was a huge fog that you couldn't see in front of you. And he said, while I was walking, he said, I heard this voice. I heard my name called Peter. He said, I actually stopped, turned around, and I said, who is that? Nothing. I kept walking. I heard it again. Peter, who is that? Nothing. I kept walking. And on the third time, he says, I knew it was the voice of God speaking. He said, I stopped, fell on my knees in this dense fog. And recommitted my heart to the Lord. But listen to this. While I was on my knees, I put my hand down to get up and there was nothing there. He said, when the fog cleared, I realized there was a precipice and a cliff that was 300 feet down. That if the voice of God didn't stop me, if I didn't stop and listen, he said, I was about to plummet to my death. Because he said, when I got off my knees, I went like this and I couldn't get up. And then I realized I was at the edge of a cliff. Thank God he listened to the voice of God. And folks, can I just tell you today, God is calling your name today. God is calling your name today. The scope of obeying the voice of God is not even 300 feet precipice. It could be an eternity in hell. And God's going, listen to me speak to you today. It's about your forever. It's about eternity. And like Elijah was in the right place at the right time because he just did the next thing that God spoke to him. It's the same thing today. It's obeying God's voice right now. If you're watching from wherever you're watching or if you're sitting here on 51st and Broadway, listen to God's voice. Just listen to what he's saying to you right now. Can I just tell you the first thing he's saying to some of you that are sitting in this place and some of you are watching online? Here's the voice of Jesus speaking. Ready for this? 
I'm telling you, because remember, God sounds just like this. Here's what it says, John 3, 7. You must be born again. That's what God said. That's what Jesus said. Those are his words. So in order to go forward, you have to stop there. All of us have to start there. This is where God's going, stop, don't go any further. I'm protecting you against the future. See, this is God fighting when you literally just go, you keep going forward and I will begin to protect you. I want to challenge you to take that step forward. I want to challenge you to take that moment just to go, God, I hear you calling me. I hear you calling me, God. I hear you calling me in. In fact, when Jesus said, you must be born again, it means that you can't make optional what God says. It's a must. He's asking us. That's where we start. That's, where we, that's the spot we get on our knees and go, God, that's what I want to do. I have to obey you. I have to obey you on this. I have to obey you on this. It's God not saving us from Ahab. It's not God saving us from a hit list. It's not God saving us from, from literally whatever's coming against us. It's God saving us for an eternity from hell. That's what it is. I know churches don't talk about that, but folks, it's the fact of the matter. If it says hell in here, I believe in it. The Bible talks about a heaven and a hell. And if God says, I'm calling you and you must be born again, here's what he says. No man can see the kingdom of heaven. No man can see the kingdom of heaven unless they are born again. That's what the Bible says. That's the command. That's the clear command. So how do we obey that? How do I obey that, Pastor Tim? So if Jesus says you must be born again, and Jesus says in this John 3 that no man can see heaven unless they're born again, then what's the go forward? Just as they stood in front of a Red Sea, what's the go forward on this, Pastor Tim? Here it is. Simple. Remember this. The simplicity of obedience. Here it comes. Simplicity. It's the A, B, and the C. How do I go forward with being born again? Here it comes. A, it's admitting that I'm a sinner. It's admitting that I'm broken on the inside. It's admitting that all of us from birth have a condition, it's called sin, that we can't fix it ourselves. We can't fix it with a promise, a priest, a pastor, a program. There's not a mosque, a cathedral, a church, not this church. None of us can fix it. We need help to fix us. I'm broken on the inside. As one pastor said, I'm not a mistaker in need of correction. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I don't need a second chance. I need a second birth. And that can happen today. How does that happen? That's the B word. Believe. Believe that God sent his son to fix our sinful condition because I can't fix myself. If we could fix ourselves, if you're sitting here going, I can get myself to heaven, then why would God have to put his son through the suffering and the cross to get to get to, to, to come 2,000 years ago to be the ultimate case of child abuse. If I could get myself to heaven by being good, then Jesus would never have to come and die on the cross. But Jesus did have to die on the cross because he was becoming my sin bearer. I couldn't fix me, but God loves you and God loves me so much that he would send his son to fix us. He died the death I should have died, lived the life I couldn't even live and gave me a reward I didn't deserve, forgiveness and eternity, heaven. And finally, it's confessing Jesus as Lord. You know what happens when you do that? It means, God, you speak, I just take the next step. Obedience. You speak, I take the next step. 
You tell me to go to Jordan, I go to Jordan. You tell me not to get on a Delta flight, I don't get on a Delta flight. You tell me to go to, whether it's, whether, whatever it is. When you say you are Lord, Romans 10, 9, and 10, and you're saying you're the boss, you're in charge of my life. Do you think God sent Jesus to die on a cross to get you to sit in a seat in Times Square Church on a Sunday for 90 minutes? No way. He didn't come because he wanted your Sundays. Heaven is not looking down going like, finally, they're sitting down on Sunday. Mm -mm. What brings joy to heaven is when one sinner turns. That's what brings joy to heaven. The Bible says that. When one sinner repents, the Bible says heaven rejoices. Somebody is going forward. How forward? They're going all the way into eternity, all the way into heaven. And this could be that day. I'm telling you, today is that day for you. Online, in person, God is calling you back to him today. Take the simple step. I'm not asking to become a member. I'm asking you to say the simple step and say, I want to be born again. I want my life changed. Change me, God, from the inside out. Born again, it means just as you had a first birth physically, born again means you have a second birth spiritually. And today that can happen in this place. If you're watching online, would you just close your eyes and bow your head for just one second? If you are born again, this is a good time to pray. Because some people are going to make a go forward plan today. Some people are about to go forward. Some people are about to take that simple step of obedience. Today is that day. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I want to pray a born-again prayer. I want to pray a prayer that says, God, I want you in my life. I want to start a journey with God. I want, to, I want you in my life, Lord God. You hear him, just as Peter heard him. Peter Marshall heard him. That as you're walking towards a precipice, God is speaking to you and saying, stop. He's calling your name right now. He's just going, Tim. David, Michael, he's speaking right now. Scott, he's talking to your, he's saying your name. And it's, it's important for you just to stop now, not look for keys, not turn off the broadcast, but just to go, God, I am going to stop. I am going to welcome you into my life. Pastor Tim, when you pray that born again prayer, I want to be part of that. I want God in my life. I thought it was coming just simply to a gospel service, or I thought it was tuning in because someone sent me a link. But today I found God is calling me. He's calling me by name. And if you're here in this place and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that born again prayer, I want to be part of it. Would you, would you make me part of that prayer with every head bowed and every eye closed? If that's you right now and say, please put me in that prayer. No hesitation. If that's you, I just want you to hold up your hand as high as you can. Hold it up as high. Just say, put me in that prayer. Hold it up high so I can see it. I want to make sure I see every hand that's raised. Keep them up. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. I got you over there. 15. Anybody else on this side? 16. Got you back there. Anybody else down here? I want to make sure I don't miss anybody. In the balcony, hold up your hands high. There's 17, 18, 19, 20, 
Thank God. You can put 21. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank God for you. Thank God for you today. If you're watching online, I want you just to put right in the chat line, decided. I've decided. I've decided. Put it right in the chat line right now. Come on. Here's what I want to do. If you raise your hand today, I'm going to challenge you today. I'm going to challenge you like the children of Israel just to go forward, to go forward, to move forward. If that's you and you're going, I'm serious about this commitment. If you're making that serious decision right where you're at, stand to your feet. If you raise your hand, stand up. Just say, I'm, go- I'm making this decision today. Go ahead, stand up right where you're at. Balcony, stand up. Main floor, stand. Here's what I want you to do. If you're standing right now, come meet me down here. Come on, get out of your seat. We're going to clap while you come forward and we're going to say thank God. In the balcony, we'll wait for you. Come on, come on, come on. In the balcony, come on down. Come on. We're going to meet you right down here. We want you to come. This is that moment that God's going to begin to change you from the inside out. This is that moment. Come on, church. Let's thank God. We're going to wait for you, Balcony, to come on down. We're going to wait for you. As they're coming, everybody stand. Come on. Let's thank God for what he is about to do today. If you're standing, this is that moment. God brought you here today. God brought you here today. This is what a miracle is. You know what? You made the decision that I'm going to go forward today. It's that simple. I'm here to tell you, and we're going to wait for the rest of you to come because this is going to be balcony. We'll wait for you. We'll wait for you. But this is that moment where God is going to begin to change you from the inside out. There was a, there was a number of you from the back that were all together. We're so thankful for all of you. God brought you here today that you're doing this as a family. Come on, come on, sir. Come on. The balcony is still coming down. Balcony still coming down. I'm so excited what God's going to do in your life, what God's going to do in your life, what he's going to do in your life. God has something so special for everyone that's here. He does. We are rejoicing with you today. We are rejoicing with you. In fact, here's what I want us to do. I want to wait. Come on now. Come on, young ladies. I know you're coming down from the balcony. Come on. We want to believe for God just to do this today. So as everybody is coming, I'm going to believe. And those that are watching online, listen, you may not be here in the building, but we love you. If, you've raised, if, if you're just going, I've decided, whether you're in the UK or the Philippines, whether you're in Malaysia or whether you're, you're just, come, sent, just brought in from Ireland, it doesn't matter. God can touch you. Distance doesn't stop God touching you today. Come on. Can we believe with all them today? Can we believe? Let's all pray this together. Come on. Let's pray this together. Let's say this out loud. Dear Lord Jesus. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Oh, wait, we like to say this part loud. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today.
Have a great week.